So, you know, we all have ideals in our minds when we think about how we're going to parent our children. And I just want to stop here and just pause and say, if you're in this room and you don't have children um, and you're hearing this message, I would hope that you would you would turn what I'm saying into what are the, who are the women that you are parenting and mothering in the church? Because there are so many broken women that need your mothering where you're at. And even if you're a teen or if you're, you know, in your young 20s, there's still somebody just steps behind you waiting to hear what you have learned. And so take what I'm saying and just change it so that you can glean um, but yeah, we have Instagrammable moments and then we have real moments, right? I take 50 pictures. I mean, I could even remember when my son was little and I thought, you know, we didn't have Instagram then, but I made him put his elbow down his hand like that and nope, nope, not good. Nope, do it again because we're not paying for Olin Mills. But 40 minutes later, 40 minutes later, he was crying because I was trying to get that perfect picture and it wasn't like that ideal. Um, kids, kids don't want perfect parents, but sometimes we think we have to be perfect. Kids want genuine and real. They don't, they don't care. You know, in our mind's eye, we want to see that room look perfect. So when the people come over and they walk in our house, they'll think our kids never play with their toys. Like, what are we thinking? Um, but being perfect, we see our flaws and we see our imperfections and we beat ourselves up. I do. I beat myself up. And it's because I have the wrong perspective of perfect. Matthew 5, 48 says, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And that word means complete. It means whole. It means uh, maturity. There should be a maturing of me going forward. It's not that I come into this relationship being a parent and knowing everything, but I'm growing. It's advancing to an end. There's an unfolding. It's about a process, and it's about progress. Are you making progress? Then you're winning. Um, it's about moving to a desired uh, end. Listen, parenting is one of the most enjoyable, amazing journeys that you could have, right? But it also comes with two very real emotions. Great joy and great guilt. Right? Everybody in the room. Mm -hmm. You know it. And any one day you can be you can be doing great and something happens and it pops back over to the other side and all of a sudden it's like this guilt just falls upon you and you just feel horrible. Like, you know, you weren't there enough for the kids. You didn't show up at their school functions. You didn't make all the cupcakes like so-and-so's mom. And, you know, then our failures, our real failures where we have sinned, they show up and then we just walk around in guilt. And I'm telling you, I hated Mother's Day for many years of my life because I walked in guilt and I knew where I screwed up and messed up. And I just thought, oh my gosh, here comes Mother's Day. What do you want to do? Nothing. Like, let's go visit your mom and my mom. Like, let's not celebrate me because I walked in that guilt. And I love the fact that, that Christ came to take that guilt that I can enjoy Mother's Day. I can enjoy my kids, my spiritual kids telling me how great I am, even though I know, you know where I've messed up. So two scriptures on how to love your, your children well, whether you have babies or if they're grown and out the door, um, and whether if you have spiritual kids also. 
Psalm 127, 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. And I just thought, boy, that's so like basic, you know, (laughs) unless you build the house, oh Lord, (laughs) how old am I? (laughs) But that's what came to my mind, those songs that we sang, you know, we know that God should build the house, but how many times do we veer off the path because we think we know better, we want that thing, we we think we can help God out, but he's the master builder builder. He is the master builder who comes with blueprints, and the blueprint is this. He's, he's, the, he's the holder of the blueprints, and we don't know what to do. We follow the blueprints. They're to remind us. The blueprints remind the builder of a foundation. It shows them what to do next. It's an instruction kind of thing, you know. Um, I buy furniture from Ikea or Walmart or wherever, and the box comes, and I pull out the blueprint and look at it, and it's like I'm building it, and I'm looking, and I'm like, that does not look like the picture, you know. And so you have to go back to the blueprint and see, where did I mess up, you know, because I really want to build this thing right, and I want it to be um, used. So the... um, The thing also is he's not a consult. We don't just consult him for special occasions. We we use him for everything, right? We don't just call him up when things are bad and say, help me with this. Okay, you got it. Okay, and then we're good, but we need him. Otherwise, it's in vain. It's empty. It's fruitless. It's pointless, and it costs us more because then we have to go back to start and start again. The other scripture is Proverbs 14.1. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish one tears it down with her hands. If we've already got him as the master builder, then we're going to fall into this wise woman building her house. Because let's face it, we as women know where we have fallen short. We know where we tear down with our words, with our actions, right? With our eye roll, like, you know, Rick turns around and I roll my eyes and the kids see it. They know, like this one time when I had little kids, I think just two, at the, two kids at the time, and Rick came up the stairs after bringing the car in the garage and said, hey kids, how was your day? And they said, well, it was fine once mommy got nice. I was like, they outed me, you know? I was like, who asked you anyway? <laughs> But tearing down our house is easy. It takes work to build it up. And I think somebody said it's simple, you know, but it's not easy. We have to work at our word, attitudes, and actions. Um, So let's focus on three things that we can do to love our children well. We can do three things. You can't, and one of them is you can't give what you don't have. The second is realize it takes time. And the third is know the season you're in. So I'm just going to share little bits of nuggets here, and then I'm going to jump somewhere else and share a little more and jump somewhere else and share a little more, okay? So you can't give what you don't have. You know, you can't give the love of God unless you're receiving it. And that's why I appreciate what was shared with Miss Mary. You know, she, she said sometimes you need people in your lives loving you well so you can heal, 
right? You know, if I don't have people in my life telling me that, I'm never going to grow. I didn't learn it growing up, so where am I going to learn it from? I need to take care of myself before I take care of my kids. So I challenge us as women, are we really putting in the work, in the word? Are we reading daily? Um, Our devotion time with him, or are we skipping by that? Um, I appreciated the worship song that was sung today. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to do. You know, half the time, if I would have just sung that in my living room for a good 15 minutes, maybe I would have made better decisions. What are we doing? Are we, are we building our spirit up? Um, I appreciate what you said, praying in the spirit in your house. Um, just 20 minutes, 15 minutes, five minutes, walking around your house, praying in the spirit. That is taking care of me so that then I can give out to my kids. Um, And having, you know, like I said, other uh, women in my life investing in me and helping me flourish, grow, develop in a healthy way. Um, I I remember being so shocked. I met with one lady um, years ago, once a week, all the time, and she had said to me, so you're still having trouble yelling at your son? And I'm like, yeah, I still yell. I'm, I'm a mess. I yell. You know, I don't know what's wrong with me. Pray for me. Pray for me. And she said, you know, when you ride a bike, when you first learn, you put training wheels on, and after a while, you start taking, you know, you get used to it, and then you take them off, and you ride. She's like, well, why don't you in your house, when your kids aren't around and they can't hear you, just walk into the living room, yell up the stairs, hear yourself talk normal, pretend he's coming down like you're riding a bike with training wheels, only you're doing it with your words. And she said, then talk. Like, say, hey, when you did that, so-and-so, you, you shouldn't have done that, so now we're going to have to do this. You know, and whatever the situation was, I can't remember. But it really helped me to learn, like, I can practice spiritual things. I can practice godly things. I can practice normal living to hear. My, like, I never heard myself in a healthy voice when I was upset with my kids and still I, until I started doing that, practicing, wow, I can be normal. And like, you know, when you talk to your kids like that, they're like, <laughs> like, who is that, right? Um, and, and another thing that, you know, we can do to, to put into ourselves is podcasts. Listening to podcasts, they're so readily available. Years ago, we had to wait until 7.30 or 12 or 7.30 at night. There were like three choices to put the radio on and go listen to a show, right? Now we have so much available at our fingertips to help us grow as a parent. I need to be putting the right things in me if I'm going to be able to help my kids uh, get the right things in them. So that's number one. Number two is realize that love takes time. It's a work in progress. And here are three times that are your prime times. Drive time, meal time, bedtime. Say that. Drive time, meal time, bedtime. You know, when I'm driving my kids around, I'd rather listen to something when, when they were younger. But it's good to shut off the radio and just hear what's on their heart. Maybe they're going to share something that they don't normally say when it's just you and them. Your meal times. I mean, we always had like four or five meals a week together at the table, sitting down with food, no TV, and just talking and playing games and playing stupid games like I'll squeeze my hand six times, you do five, you do four, three, two, one. 
And if you felt that, if you felt that one squeeze, you're like, you're the prayer person today, you know. And it was just silly, goofy things, but it was fun stuff, and it connected us. Um, bedtime, the stories, the prayers, putting them to bed, um, precious moments, because that's when they want to start sharing. And only some, some of our kids wanted to share too much. And so we would go room to room. And as we were in the rooms and praying for our kids, um, there was a one particular child that when Rick and I were in there praying for them, like I'd look out of the corner of my eye and be like, amen. And I'd kiss her first and run out the door because the last person in the room ended up talking for like 40 minutes. <laughs> she was like, I was reading in the dictionary about <laughs> detrimental is that mental? You know, she'd have questions like that all the time. And I'm like, I am not the last one out tonight. But those are so important. Those are like, sometimes that you can invest in your children, you know, and I think sometimes we need to look at our priorities on a piece of paper and decide what we should be doing right now. You know, maybe, maybe my tennis lessons aren't as important right now. Maybe my dance, me, my time to go out and dance you know, and have fun at like a YMCA kind of a thing. Maybe that's not for now. Maybe I need to reorder and reschedule the things that I do, like church and family and sports, calendar, finances, to make sure that I am investing and making a difference in my kids and making sure that um, even if I have older, if you have older kids like I do now, my investment of time looks more like texting and getting a, a schedule and a date on a calendar and also, um, you know, just, just seeing what their schedule is and trying to work it with mine to spend time with them. Because I still have mile markers with those kids as well, even though they're older. And the third one is know what season you're in. If you have children in any one of these ages, 0 to 4, um, 5 to 12, maybe it's not up there, 13 to 20, and then 21-year-olds and up. There we go. You, if you're in discipline years, you know what you're doing to love them. You're disciplining them. If you're in the training years, you know that it's going to be repeat yourself, repeat yourself, repeat yourself, repeat yourself. Coaching is like you're not taking on the responsibility for them, but you're coaching them how to handle situations and resolve conflicts and feel the weight of some decisions they make that aren't so great, but they're in a safe place to feel that. And then the friendship years, if you do everything else, you can invest and have fun and be their biggest cheerleader. Um, so know what season you're in. Now, if I were to go back in time and talk to my 20-year-old self, 30-year-old self, what I'd tell myself would be these three things. Relax! I was so uptight. I just wanted that perfect, perfect setup, you know? And I would just tell myself, relax. Stress less, um, laugh more. Our kids need fun. And it doesn't always have to be so rigid and uptight. The second thing I would say is avoid the comparison trap. The comparison trap can kill you. You know, oh, honey, you, we don't have enough money for curtains on like I want, you know, or, you know, so sister so-and-so has those. Or, you know, the kids don't really remember that their furniture didn't match growing up. Like, it didn't really make a difference to them. They've never said to me, I'm, I'm taking you, you know, to court because the furniture didn't match. They, they never noticed what we've noticed. Um, here's a picture of my family. I have 24-year-old all the way up to 31, 
Two of the kids are married. They got married last May, both in the same month, one at the beginning, one at the end. Yeah, I know. And I thought it would be fun. This year we could only do Christmas in January because of their schedules, and now that they're adults, it's like they have other families they have to be obliged to, and that's fine as long as we can spend time together. And the one thing I did was ask them, I said, hey, um, if you could have... Think of any gift that we gave you over the course of the years that you've lived with us um, for Christmas. What would that gift be? And it was very silent. And not a one of them thought of anything. And I'm like, really? Like, no gift stands out to you in your mind? And they're like, I mean, they were literally like leaning on their, el- on their cheek and just like, and I'm thinking, I know we spent money on you. <laughs> And you know what? One of the kids piped up, and they said, oh, I know what I could think of. I really love Christmas bread. And I was like, Christmas bread? I'm like, what are you talking about? That's not a gift. And they're like, yeah, but like that, that's like something that we always have every Christmas morning. We have a cup of coffee. And then they, then they all started talking about it. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. I was such a mess. I looked at my husband and I'm like, all the money we spent? I could have made them bread every year. I could have made them rolls. I could have made them, you know? And this bread was a recipe that came from a friend of mine and she just sent it over when the kids were young because she said this is the best ever yeast roll recipe and I used it as a filler. Like, there's not enough food to go around so everybody have four rolls, you know? (laughs) But those kinds of things. And one day I flipped it over and I saw braided sweet bread on the back. And I'm like, oh, I'll try that. So I made it for Christmas and it was a hit and I made it another year and it was a hit. And, you know, I'm here to remind you that, like, it's not a... Don't, com- don't get falling into that comparison trap because, yeah, I was like, wow, I'm not buying you great gifts this year. <laughs> and the third thing, and I know some of you in this room might cringe when you hear this, enjoy every moment because it goes by fast. And there's two camps of motherhood, the moms that are lamenting about the years past and the days gone by, And the new moms that are complaining about, like, they want me to be happy about the snot (laughs) and the throw up and the sleepless nights. So maybe we should say value every moment because it goes by quickly, right? And I would be remiss if I didn't say, what do I need as as a 58-year-old self? What do I need to hear? What are three things that me at this age right now need to hear what do you need to hear if you're in my, my age group? And I think the biggest lie of the enemy is we're not needed. We're not needed anymore. I mean, that's my biggest lie. Like, I just struggle with it because my kids are so independent and they're all doing so well, but they don't need me. They don't need me. And I'm like, really? They still need me. And here's how I know they need me because I get text messages all the time and they say, do you think this medicine would make my pee turn orange? <laughs> they need me. They, I just got one a couple weeks ago. If, if you leave pasta sauce out all night by accident, 
like they don't want to offend me, <laughs> could you still eat it? Even if it had ground turkey and zucchini in it? The best one was, I cut my finger, do you think I need stitches? <laughs> right? I feel like I'm the John Quinones. What would you do? <laughs> Mom, what would you do? I'm taking it, because I'm still alive, I'm still their parent, and I have not lost a chance to make a difference in their lives. And some of them might not be where I think they should be, so I'm going to use every moment that I can to invest in them and not believe the lie that they don't need me, because they do. Second thing is be fervent in prayer and trust the Holy Spirit. You need to be praying over every situation, every, every area over your kids, whether they're young or old. Pray the scriptures, but in this case, it's, you know, when they're older. Pray the scriptures. One of the biggest things that helped me was that when my kids were little, somebody said, you know, Natalie, your kids are going to need a savior someday. I was like, how dare you say that to me? They have me, you know? <laughs> And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I think it just like jarred me back into reality that like, yeah, you're right. I am putting everything into them that I know that is right to put in and they're going to become adults. And what they choose to do as an adult is going to be between them and God. In fact, one of my kids said to me in the past year, you prob they said something like you probably, you know, are upset because of this situation and the decision I made. I'm like, no, I said, that's not, that's not up to me anymore. That's you and God. That's up to you and God. And the third thing I would say is be intentional with what you're doing. Look for ways to do things on purpose and with purpose. You know, phone calls, text messages, going away together, meeting up for coffee, whatever those things are that you can do. Do them intentionally. Ask yourself, what do I want my kids to say about me in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years? How did I love them? What will they share with other people about me? And when we think that way, it changes the way we live today because tomorrow and then the future years will be changed. Today is a new day. So if you have failed and you haven't done things right or you're even currently in a very precarious situation with your kids and they know how bad you are how wrong you've been today is a new day and you can change the trajectory by saying I'm sorry and then by moving forward with different actions and attitudes it's not over it's not lost and I want to end with there's a picture of a diamond ring and um, this is not any of my kids diamond rings but two of my kids got engaged and married of course like I said in May of last year and when they got their rings not one person ever took their hand and went oh look at all the flaws oh my gosh who got you that no people gushed and oohed and awed over their diamond and we women are diamonds in God's setting and we're diamonds in our families and we're diamonds with flaws, right? But if you look at natural diamonds, I read that only 1% are flawless. And the rest of the diamonds that are out there that are on some of our hands, they have flaws in them. But those things aren't noticed because when you let the light of Christ shine on you, the diamond, you're going to reflect him 
and you're going to shimmer, and you're going to shine, and people are going to go, wow, I don't know what you got, but it's beautiful, you know, tell me about that, and that's the things. We have to remember we're the right cut, we're the right color, we're the right clarity. God has us in the right place, we are in the right season, and we are the right mamas for our kids. We can love our kids well, no matter what are, where we're at, and we can love women well, no matter where we're at. So thank you for your time.